before, just gotta make one very important note here, and that is, I would like to meet with the board members immediately after the service today. Really want to apprise you of two items this afternoon, right after our church service board members. Meet me right here up front. And now it is our distinct privilege to welcome our listeners at our KV, KKVV 1060 AM as you join us here at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. It's always a privilege to have you listening to the service, and we hope that you join us one day soon. We're also online live at www.abundantlifelv.org. You can see us there and worship with us here at the Abundant Life Church. We're still located at 1720 North J Street. Feel free to call us. We love hearing from our friends at 702-647-2627. We're celebrating the gift of stewardship here at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church for the month of September. We're doing this emphasis on how good God has been and the blessings of the Lord uh, ensuring that we understand that the matter of stewardship is a spiritual one. And to lead us further into this subject today, we have a very special speaker, very special leader in the form of Elder Clarence Brown. Now, Elder Brown has been my right hand as my associate uh, uh, pastor, Principal Holiday, has been a leader in this church. And so I look to him for counsel. I look to Elder Clarence Brown for guidance. And I, I look just to hear from him. He's a spiritual man. He's a godly man. He's married to one wife and is very happily married. Amen? So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Not just being married, but happily married. And so we, I beseech you, uh, before he comes to us, that you may lift him up in prayer, that the Holy Spirit may use him beyond measure, that he'll be used and used up for Jesus. So pray as he comes to us this morning. Before he speaks to us, we will hear from our special Abundant Life Adult Choir, after which you'll hear from Elder Clarence Brown, hear ye him.
You know, there's one thing when the song is done well. Amen. But there's something else when the song is a testimony yes. of the truth. Yes. I don't know if you know it, but God is so intentional. He is so eager to put us back together again. And just being around the church for a little while, you get to see the life of those who God has put back together. What a good God. What a good God. What a good God we serve. I want to thank Pastor Lewis and Pastor Holiday for allowing me to speak today. I want to thank the choir. All day long, I've been with Jesus. And you know, sometimes it don't take a hundred voices. <laughs> but God can use a few consecrated voices to make a difference. But the answer is good to see you. You know, we've been praying for you. But Everson, please let Sister Everson know that we're praying for her. Tiffany, let Corey know we're praying for him. I think I saw Alzay. Be sure Brother God knows that we're praying for him. And Tony, be sure to Calvin knows that we got him in our prayers. And I'm sure that there are other sisters. Sanford, thank you for the testimony. I read someplace where it says that sometimes God can't really use a man, uh, a woman, until he deeply wounds them. And out of the wounding, <laughs> sometimes then God can use us. Pastor Lee was, you're right, I'm happily married. I appreciate that. I got to tell you, though, you know, we, we, we are in the cycles of character building. When you have teenagers, it's character building. And a 99-year-old grandmother is character building. So excuse us every once in a while if we're running a little late. We're in a character building phase of our lives. If you are happy as I am to see Pastor Rock in the house today, would you say amen? amen. Pastor Rock, please let Sister Rock know we love her and we're praying for her. As Lee was already said, this is Stewardship Emphasis Month. And I want to introduce today a two-part series that I want to start today and finish next Sabbath, entitled God's Justice and Mercy. Now, it's easy for us to shout and get happy about God's mercy. But our merciful God is also a God of justice. And every once in a while, we must remind ourselves that not only is he a merciful God, but he is a just God. Today, I want to present in part one, God's justice and mercy. I want to highlight the life of the children of Israel to show God's justice and mercy. I want to show you particularly how God has blessed them 
But I want you to see their unfaithfulness to God. And I want you to see how a just God responds in mercy and in justice to unfaithfulness. Next week, I want to highlight the life of Samson. I want to show you how God blessed Samson. But some, what Samson did with those blessings and how God administered justice and mercy. I'd like to call your attention this morning to the book of Exodus, chapter 1. And I want to read a few verses in your hearing, starting in verse 8. Exodus, chapter 1. I will read verse 8, verse 9, and verse 10. The Bible says there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto the people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on. Let us deal wisely with them, let, lest they multiply and it come to pass. But when they fall it out any war, they join also with our enemies and fight against us. And so get them out of the land. Let us pray this morning. My subject, God's justice and mercy. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh in us. Fall afresh in me. Break me. Make me. Mold me and fill me. Break us. Mold us, melt us, and fill us today in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. God's justice and mercy. In Genesis chapter 47, we find Joseph brought his family over from, e from, from Canaan to Egypt. Joseph, who was sold by his brothers. Joseph, who was put into the hole and there was a council about killing him. And reason prevailed, and they sold him. And Joseph, who rode the caravan down to Egypt. Joseph, who was in prison in Egypt. Joseph, who suffered in Egypt. But in Egypt, Joseph, who was faithful to God. Faithful to God, not only in his private affairs, but faithful to God in his public affairs. And because of his faithfulness, Joseph is able to introduce his father and the 11 rascals to Pharaoh. Because of Joseph's faithfulness, Pharaoh and the Egyptian people opened their arms to welcome Joseph's family. And there in Egypt, God planted a little seed a little seed that will grow and later become the children of Israel. God planted a seed in the fertility. In fact, Pharaoh said, have our best lands. What, what are your occupations? Shepherds. Well, go take the best fields and not only take care of, of your flock, but take care of our flocks as well. That's favor, ain't it? That's favor. And God blessed them, and they multiplied and grew. 
So much so that in this chapter, verse 1 in, in, in Exodus, there arose a new king. And he's not just a new king in the succession of kings. He is a new king from a new dynasty, a foreign king. He knows nothing about Joseph, nothing about his legacy, and he doesn't care, and he doesn't want to know. What he sees is these children of God, prospering and blessed. But not only is there a new king and a new dynasty, and if you want to know where I'm going, I want, you to sh I want to show you how God is blessing, or how God blessed the children of Israel. And so he says, and so in fact, the generation of people that lived, that knew the acts of Joseph, that knew how Joseph, by the aid of God, could predict the famine. And as a result, they were spared from the famine. That generation had died. And there was a new generation. And this new generation, they were hostile to all foreigners. If you weren't born there, <laughs> they didn't want you there. Somebody may know what I'm talking about. That's how it was when I was growing up in the little island of St. Croix. People would remind me from time to time, you weren't born here, boy. What you doing here? So I know about that. But they became hostile, and so the, 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 the atmosphere was ripe for this new king. This new king did something that was familiar to us. He said, he looked around and he saw the strength of the children of Israel, and he said, hey, we got weapons of mass destruction in the land. We have got to do something about them. And so they imprisoned the children of Israel. You know the story. But what I'm so excited about is how God used the good days, how God used the, the fertile and the, and the warm welcome of Egypt to get the children of Israel started. And you would think now that they're about to be in bondage. This, 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 this land of promise became now a land of bondage. You would think now that they will begin to shrink and shrivel. But somehow God can use adversity. And God uses the adversity of the house of bondage to mature and to grow the children of Israel. I'm amazed by that. We serve a God that can bless in good times and a God who can multiply in adversity. It is never a time where God's people ought to be putting your foot on the brakes when it comes to doing God's work. No matter what the condition, our foot, our foot should be on the gas as it relates to doing God's work. And so God blessed this small flock of 11 or 15 or 20 to 2 million strong in the house of bondage. Isn't God good? I just told you that because I want you to understand that the existence of the children of Israel was God's idea. More importantly, our existence is God's idea. God needed a people who would represent him to the nation, a people for which he could outpour the blessings to the nation. And it was his idea to establish the children of Israel. <laughs> God needs a people today. 
God needs a people today that will share, that he could show, that he could model, that, 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 that he could establish to be an avenue of salvation to the world. You continue looking in the book of Exodus, you get over to Exodus chapter 12, and God tells the children of Israel, I want you to shed the blood of an innocent animal, a lamb or a goat, because I want you to know that salvation is in the blood. The only way that they could escape the plague of the angel of death was to be covered by the blood. So God instructed Israel to be covered by the blood because redemption is in the blood. Freedom from sin is in the blood. Sanctification is in the blood. The only way that you and I today could be redeemed is by the blood of the innocent lamb of God. And then over in the book of Exodus, God took his fingers and wrote for the children of Israel 10 statues, 10 commandments, and said, if you want to live holy, thou shalt have no other gods before me. If you want to live holy, thou shalt not make unto me any graven images. If you want to live holy, don't take my name in vain. If you want to live holy, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you want to live holy, you got to be right with the people that are around you. You got to honor your mother and your father. Young people, are you all listening to me? If you want to live holy, you got to honor your mother and your fathers. And don't kill anybody. Not with your hands, not with your mouth, not with your attitude. Don't kill anybody. Don't commit adultery with your body. Don't commit adultery with your mind. Don't commit adultery with your heart. Don't commit adultery with your eyes. Don't steal. Leave people's stuff alone. Be satisfied with what God has given to you. Don't be a false witness. Don't tell no lies. Don't tell half-truths, but be about the truth. And finally, don't get your heart fixed on other people's stuff. Focus on what God has given to you and work with that. And so God here gives to the children of Israel the Ten Commandments so they can live holy. And isn't it amazing that he gives us as well the Ten Commandments so that we can live holy. Second blessing I want to focus on, the first blessing is the existence of Israel. Because God's idea, our existence is God's idea. Second blessing is that Israel's instruction for salvation and holiness was given to them by God. Our instructions for salvation and holiness is given to us by God. And God gives us that instruction, gave it to Israel so they can pass it on to the other nations. Are you all with me? He has given us those instructions so we can pass it on to a dying world. That's a blessing. I'm going to come back and ask you about that blessing. 
In Exodus chapter 7 to verse 11, God interceded on behalf of Israel time and time and time again. It was God who in a period of nine months rained down ten plagues on the children of Israel. Some of you remember several years back when there was a conflict in, over in the Middle East and one of those countries was shooting scuds across. You all remember that? It was God who sent down those scuds in Egypt. Took the, the Nile some 3,000 miles and turned it into a river of blood. Only God could do that. It was God who released the lice and the flies, who killed the livestock and who made the people covered with boils. It was God who sent the hail. It was God who sent the locusts. It was God who sent the angel with the finger of death that passed over the children of Israel all because they were covered by the blood and took his cold finger and went house by house, touched the firstborn, not only human but beasts. And when it was all over, he had broke the back of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says, I'm going to let you go. Go, go. It was God who, when the children of Israel were up against the walls, who took the Red Sea and part the Red Sea. It was God who had the waters stand tall so the children of Israel could walk through the Red Sea. It was God who stopped the Jordan so the children of Israel could walk over the Jordan. It was God who caused the children of Israel without, 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 without weaponry and without, without the, 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 all I'm telling you today is that God interceded on the life of the children of Israel over and over and over. They had a testimony. And it is God who intercedes in our lives over and over and over. It is God who was hearing those prayers and in his own time and in his own way intercedes over and over. It is God who creates for every one of us a remarkable testimony. question today is, what did the children of Israel do with all these blessings? What did they do with all these blessings? <laughs> what kind of stewards were they of the blessings? I want to show you. It's not an impressive list. At the Red Sea, when their back were up against the wall and Pharaoh's army was closing in upon them. They said, hey, Moses, is it because there were no graves back in Egypt? Well, OD, somebody should have said, let's have a testimony section. Let's, let, let, let's just talk about the goodness of God. Let's just remember how, how, how God released all those scuds and Pharaoh. Let's, let, let's, let's go back and remember how we started at a little seed and how God has grown us to two million strong. Instead, they're out there talking Pastor Lee was about. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt 
that you brought us out here to die. When there was no water available, instantly, and they thought they would die of thirst, they started complaining, Moses, did you bring us and our children and our livestock out here to die? Why didn't you just leave us back in Egypt? And this manna that God rained down for them six days a week and fed them, they had the nerve to start complaining. I am tired. We're tired of eating this white stuff. Give us some McDonald's or give us some veggie links, but we are tired of eating all this white stuff. Pastor Lee was stewardship is about gratitude. It is about gratitude. When the spies brought back the negative report, the question was, who report shall you believe? God's report or that of the spies? Bible says the children of Israel that they cried and mourned and weep all night long. And at daybreak, the only thing you could hear is, we wish we had died back in Egypt or died in the desert. Why did you bring us out here to kill us? At Baal Peor, the men of the children of Israel committed whoredom with the daughters of Moab. But not only did they commit whoredom, that commandment that the Lord gave, the very first one, they ventured out into idolatry. Ah, what are you doing with the blessings that God has given you? Are you a complaining Christian? Are you a faithless Christian? Always thinking about the worst as opposed to the best? Are you a forgetting Christian? Ellen White says the only thing we have to fear is lest we forget how God has led us in the past. But most importantly, these blessings are given to us so that we have a testimony so we can tell somebody about what God has done for us. Too often when we think about stewardship, we just think about one little thing, money. But God wants us to think about the stewardship of his blessings. God don't value your money more than he values your love, your affection, and your heart. In Deuteronomy, he says, love me with all your mind, all your heart, and all your soul. Because when you love me like that, everything else will be all right. And so stewardship is much broader than just money. It is what you're doing with your time. When you look at the children of Israel, not a good report. Let us not be guilty of being deficient. Yes, we may give a good tithe, an offering, and that's good. But what else are you doing with these blessings from God? Some folks may be busy working like the devil for the Lord, but they won't give of their means. God wants it all. God wants it all. And so you're saying, somebody, Elder Brown, why are you bothering us with this thing today? Why are you bothering us with this? 
I'm bothering you because God is not only a God of mercy. God will respond. I want to show you how God responded to the children of Israel. And it's a long list. I'm just going to take one. When they, re when they rebelled at the report of the spies when they were supposed to move into the promised land, God finally said, I have had it. Brian, he said, I am tired of all this complaining. Time and time and time again, my people have complained against me. And God, in his justice and mercy, he says, I'm going to give them what they're asking for. They want to die in the desert? Well, I'm going to escort them back to the desert. And they're going to be there 40 years. Everybody over the age of 20 who took the census will die in the desert. God says, because of their lack of faithfulness, because of their lack of gratitude, I am going to administer justice. God says, I'm tired of my people treating me like my ears are too hard that I can't hear, too heavy. He says, I'm tired of my people treating me like my hands are too short that I can't save. God says, give me some credit for what I've done for you. Oh, stewardship is what we do in the narrow times. What we do when there's only $14 in the bank account. And a dollar and 40 cents at least belongs to God. Stewardship is about that. What do we do in the narrow spaces? What do you do when Pharaoh's when Pharaoh's, it's Potiphar, when, when Potiphar's wife is on your heels. What do you do when nobody is looking? What do you do when you get discouraged? What do you do when you are lonely? What do you do when the thing that you're praying for over and over and over again don't happen? What do you do when you come to church and you look around and there's not a suitable spouse in the house? <laughs> what do you do when the doctor tells you something that you never expected to hear? Do you get discouraged? Do you give up on God? Do you complain? Adidas says, Lord, you've been too good. Lord, you've been too good. I, I, I have the, the, the privilege and yet sometimes the unfortunate experience of having a 99-year-old grandmother in the house. And when you get to be that old, sometimes things just start happening to you. You can't remember what's happening in your life. You don't know if it was, if today is yesterday or the day before. Sometimes she asks me the question, am I living or am I dead? And then recently, at least what she had some pride was that she could walk around with that little old walker making some noise. And she attempted to get up on that walker, 
or her knees wouldn't, wouldn't allow her to do it. But I hear her, oh, Lord, please help me. Oh, Father, please help me. In the narrow places, she's calling on the one. She is 99. She can't even stand sometimes. But she's crawling on the one that she knows. Generation after generation has been God. We got good legs. Some of us got good health. Just about all of us got a good mind. But what are we doing with these blessings? What are we doing with these blessings? I think all of us in some way, some of us is money, some of us it's, it's relationships, some of us, all of us got an issue. And I got a responsibility to tell you what you do about it. How do we deal with our unfaithfulness? John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 gives us the first direction. says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If we confess, and I'm not a great English student, Pastor Holiday, but I understand that word if is a conditional word. Don't mean it's going to happen. It's a conditional word. It means that some folks are going to be guilty of unforgiveness, but they won't confess. They won't repent. And what I came to tell you this morning is if you're guilty and you persist and you don't confess and you don't repent, God's justice may be deferred, but God's justice will be sure. Some of us are suffering. Maybe our suffering is that we're not being blessed the way that God wants to bless us. Some of us are sick. Some of us, the list goes on, right? I don't want to step on any toes, but what I'm saying is that God may defer his blessings, and then sometimes God just outright administers justice consequences why not because he doesn't love us but it's because God has to nudge us and nudge us and nudge us so we can get back in alignment with his divine will I say God keep nudging keep nudging keep nudging because I don't want to be out of alignment as the old people used to say, I don't want any problems at the Jordan. I don't want any problems when it's time to go over. I want to be in alignment. I want my name on the list. So I can hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
In Psalms chapter 32, oh, David, David tells us some great things here. Psalms chapter 32, beginning in verse 1, David says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Now, you may not know this, but if you, if you are living in sin, Bible says in times of ignorance, God winks. But if you know what God wants you to do and you are living contrary to that, you are living a more stressful life than God intended for you. Not only are you living a stressful life, but sin is sucking the vitality out of you. You may not see it. You may not see it, but all you got to do is be around folks long enough. And one day you'd look at them and say, man, what is happening? Because the devil rides you like a horse. He has no good intention for us. And so when you play with him and you play with God, he sucks the life and the vitality out of us. David says, blessed is the man, happy is the man unto whom God and unto whom the Lord imputed not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. <laughs> you know the word blessed mean happy, right? You want to be happy? Get God to forgive you of your sins. Forsake those sins. Repent of your sins. And by God's grace, consecrate yourself to him every day. And by God's grace, do the best that you can do to live right that day. Tell somebody about the goodness of God. And if you made a mistake that day, fall down on your knees and say, God, I confess of my faults. Please forgive me. And God says he will cover. He will cover. He will cover us with his blood. David says, when I kept silent, oh my, you know what he's dealing with here? Silent sin. You know there's some folks, they look right. Everything looks good about them. Their reputation, as we know it, is good. But they know it. They know it. Why David says, when I kept silent, my bones wax old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night my hands was heavy, for day and night thy hands was heavy upon me. <coughs> David's just saying when you are living in silent sin, when you are living in sin, God's hand is upon you trying to push you in the right direction. And rebellion is resistance. God is pushing you with his word. You come to church, you hear the word, God is pushing on you, but you are resistant. Oh, I can go on there. How does God, though, how does God deal with those who have been unfaithful? When we have confessed our sins and repented, I want to show you what God does. Come with me over in the book of Exodus, chapter 21. 
It's a beautiful illustration of God's grace and mercy for his repentant children. I'm just going to read it. Oh, I hope I got my text right here. I just want to read it. I think I got the wrong book, but the right chapter. Let's, let, let, let's try Numbers. Oh, it's not Numbers. Somebody help me. I'm trying to find that text where Moses lift up the snake. Satan, I know you don't want us to hear this. 21. 21. All right. Thank you. Numbers 21. I want to show you. I told you about God's justice. But God is more interested in mercy than justice. 21, it says, and they journey from Mount Hur by the way of the Red Sea to, to come past the land of Edom. And the, souls, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Wherefore have we brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loafed in light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpent, justice, upon the people. And they bit the people, and much of the people did die, justice. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that we may, that he may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, <laughs> when he looks upon it, shall live. The word says that Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon the pole. And it came to pass that if the serpent had bitten any man, <laughs> when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. All I'm telling you is that God will, ex will administer justice. And I'm done. But when we confess. When we repent, God is so ready to administer mercy that, 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 that Moses was able to, to lift up the serpent on a pole <laughs> because years later on a hill far away would stand an old ragged cross. And all of us who desired mercy all of us who need forgiveness will find it in the spilled blood of the Son of Jesus. Oh, and today somebody who has been unfaithful is here in the potter's house. Somebody who has been unfaithful is, been, is here in the potter's house, but I'm not even going to leave it up to you. Because some of you 
Some of us are so rebellious that we wouldn't move. So I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet. And let us pray the sinner's prayer. Because I believe that there's victory in the, sinners, in the sinner's prayer. I believe that there's victory in the sinner's prayer. I hope that you are praying. All of us are guilty. Some of us haven't been the stewards that we need to be for our children. Some of us have not been the stewards of God's house. We haven't been the stewards we need to be of our health, of our money, of our jobs, of our testimonies. Right before you sing this, I got to tell you, one of the things that I have observed in my workplace, and I want to say this because we are all in this fishbowl together. I have some folks that I would walk by day after day, Pastor Rock, and they've got the Bible sitting on their desk reading. In the hallway, they have a Bible reading. But I've discovered sometimes when I get a little bit closer to those people, they're some of the meanest, most unhelpful, least productive people in the workplace. What a horrible testimony. I pray that none of us are in that category. We ought to be a representative of God and be good stewards of the blessings that he's given to us. Don't be that. Don't be a phony. Don't be a phony, but let's be for real about doing what? About being about God's business. We are here to save somebody. A great attitude. It's an enormous testimony. You may not have much money. You may not have much means, but God has blessed everybody yes. with the capability of having a great winning attitude. And if you are a person of faith, how could you have anything else but an enormous attitude? At least do that. Yes. Ellen White says just a quiet testimony of a faithful, consistent life speaks volumes. just wondering this morning if when Moses was holding up that fiery serpent if the congregation of Israel must not have been singing amazing grace <laughs> as they walked by and looked at that pole I wonder if somebody was singing amazing grace please sing that song because it's only through amazing grace that any of us could be saved Bible says look unto Jesus look now and live 
because of any good thing we've done, but because of God's amazing grace. How precious he is. That grace. you to pray my prayer with me father I want to hear you father I know that in some way I have not been a good steward but your word says that if I confess that you're faithful and just to forgive me I confess today Lord and in some area of my stewardship, I have fallen short. But I accept the spilled blood of your son, Jesus. I believe that he is who he says he is, the son of God. And that he's able to forgive me of my sins. And so, Lord, I accept him today. And I believe I am forgiven and I'm safe in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I believe somebody might have gotten a victory today and you just want to declare it just so others know that indeed that there is healing in the potter's house. I'm not going to ask you to come up but if you've gotten a victory, if you just raise your hand, if you just raise your hand saying, Lord, I'm going to do better than I've been doing by your grace. I'm going to do better. God promises that when he's in the building, <laughs> sin sick souls will be saved. When he's in the building, healing is in the building. He promises that when he's in the building, deliverance is in the building. Yes. I'm delivered today. I'm delivered today. I have not yet attained. But God's grace, I'm trying to press on higher and higher. Let's keep pressing on. Amen, church. Amen. Now, 